Thanks so much to those of you who have been listening throughout the first, uh, well, three episodes, two weeks of the college football season. We did a week zero, and, and you know, thanks for those of you who listened to that, I guess, for the seven-game slate, I think it was. Uh, if you haven't been listening, you have now made this. Chris, you got to fill in with personal there, man. You didn't see Dion today? I just stopped talking, no. and you're just supposed to no. just yell personal. That's how it That's, works. Uh, I, I've been strapped at work. We had some HR stuff to deal with today. Uh, so. Okay. Well, Dion's whole thing is anytime he stops talking now, you just have to fill in with pause, with pause, with personal. Any pause needs to be personal. Colorado State, man, put their foot in their mouth. That's pretty much it. Yeah, they're... There's no chance. Colorado State's not hanging with them. So well, it would be, well they got some wide receivers, but no. Especially after today. The Colorado continues to clown me. It's two weeks in a row. They've actually given me the work. And uh well now Dion's officially taken over college football. I think it's what game day, big noon Saturday, first take, the Pat McAfee show, and I saw sixty minutes Gotta all have going everybody. to Boulder. Everybody's there for prime time, but it's amazing, man. And and look, I just we can go more into the game in a bit, but by the bylaws, I think of the sports media landscape, we are required to start the show with Colorado. So I've gotten the small spot spot out of the way. We'll get, we'll get more in depth into that game in a little bit, but uh, welcome in sharpen the point podcast. Like I said, episode four, week three of the college football season, Brian Peller and Chris Tindall. Uh, we're talking college football picks in DFS. My picks were kind of eh, last week four and six overall got saved in the later slates because boy did i start bad we'll get to more of that in a second too um but important to celebrate your wins chris you were on it again last week your dfs lock button of the week hammered and the lineups we put together cashed again for me that i built in the two tournaments i was in how did it turn out for you uh we did pretty good on the night slate specifically uh we i went with a double stack of hawaii in the late game against albany and <laughs> They put up some numbers. Uh, we had a good late night and late slate. Braylon Allen continues to steal my soul in the early slate every week. All, all main slates, Braylon Allen, the first week I faded him. And the second week I was all in, and he was terrible the second week and great the first week. So we're trying to recover from that one. We're going to try to get him right this week. We're just going to play. We, we've learned our lesson. We're going to play a little bit of Braylon Allen and a little fade. We're going we're gonna to live in the middle on him. I think what made last week especially fun was the weird rain delays all over the East Coast. So like it was like 730 and the the main slate that started at noon was still going. And I was like playing video games, talking to friends. And I'm like, what are you doing? I'm like, well, I'm watching Marshall that kicked off six hours ago. But the running backs getting the end zone over and over again. Your boy Ali crushed it. Yeah, Rasheen Ali started a little slow, but he started picking it up late in the game. And, and we were loving it uh, when he was just ripping off touchdown runs at the end. Yeah, I think by the end of it, both my after the time he was done, because I, I think they were the last game going. I both of my lineups had finished around the top five hundred of a a couple thousand people pool, so that was pretty easy doubling my money on on that pool. So if you were following that one, it was I think it was only sixty percent owned, and you said like if you're not in that sixty percent, you're basically burning your money. So thanks for that. Uh, yeah, so hopefully you followed that, along. He dropped what was it thirty four points at forty eight hundred. Yeah, it's it's at that low of value, that much, that many points at that low of cost. It's it's too much value to have not had in your lineup. But yeah, it was uh, over. It was it was seven x. Like if you get seven x out of a guy, you're you, you realistically you want three to four. Like four x is is good. Like really good if you get four x. Um, so like a guy that's five thousand, you want to score twenty points. Well, he exceeded it by fifteen more points. Well. You might be right back on that same train this week with a guy down there below 5K. And, and again, we will get there in the DFS segment. Of course, if you want to be involved, this podcast does have an accompanying article. It's on Tomahawk Nation. It's got all the picks and the DFAs kind of written out for you there. If you want to play along with us, you can get jump in the comments and leave your picks to 10 overall games that I have on that page. Of course, we're pulling our lines and the DFS numbers off of DraftKings. If you are actually betting and playing along, uh, please do so responsibly. Follow your picks at our own risk. It's not advice. We're two guys who play DFS and, and make picks, and uh, we play them. You can follow us if you'd like, but uh, do so wisely. Do so at your own risk. This week, though, the games, man, are bad on the surface, but I think there could be some surprises. There's a lot of home dogs, um, but I do want to start quickly by revisiting last week's games picks. Um, kind of what went right, what went wrong, because I think it informs going forward just kind of briefly. First one was that NC State-Notre Dame game. I had NC State on the upset bid. Uh, they kind of had a pretty good chance, and then Notre Dame came out of that weather delay and just smoked them. 
I think the tale of last week was how teams responded to that weather delay. So you really kind of saw who came out hot after that weather delay and what coaching staffs made adjustments and which ones decided to take a nap. Yeah, Notre Dame came out hot. Apparently that hot dog or whatever they said they had as food because they didn't have enough food for the team worked because they they just they rolled over NC State at that point. Um, I mentioned at the top, I couldn't have been more wrong. Nebraska had a fat – well, I'm not sure I could have been more wrong. If Jeff Sims had just learned how to catch a snap or something – Nebraska probably might win that game the way it was going. I, I felt like they could have been up 20 to 24 points in the first half, and uh, they just seemed to fumble away every chance for Colorado to just turn, turn around and just beat them down in the second half. I think we're all just thankful that they let Jeff Sims come out in the second half, and he got that <laughs> rushing touchdown. Saved our DFS pick there because um, I was texting you during the first half, and I was like, I'm telling you, they're putting him on the bench, and you're like, we just need one play. We just need one play. He was too cheap. We just needed one play, and we got it. One thing we did also get, we told you on the pod last week, Michael Pratt was dealing with an injury. That two-lane quarterback, we said they're saying cramps, but we've got people who are telling us it's not cramps, and it wasn't cramps. Didn't play. Um, it was probably closer than I think I expected without him out, but Ole Miss and Lane Kiffin, like I told you, played for the cover, and boy, did they. Yeah, very much so. I was highly disappointed uh, in Quinshawn Judkins. He played well, just not well enough for the price tag. Yeah, And ultimately, I was shocked at how good that two-lane defense looked. And they're clearly a, a front runner to be the top group of five team. Yeah, for sure. I was really impressed with the defensive line. I, I thought they played great. The other team that I think surprised a lot of people, I think we. St- I started the podcast last week by telling you I thought maybe Miami A&M was going to be kind of gross. Um, and you were kind of like, I don't know, man. I think this one's got a point total. I think if you had stacked this game, you might have crushed because Miami's offense looked legit, and um, AM was gifted a bunch of points on some on some special teams turnovers. But Miami looks good. Tyler Van Dyke appears uh, appears back. Whether it was an injury or if it was just Gaddis ruining him last year, he appears pretty good. So what I actually I, I think the guy who won the DraftKings tournaments had Van Dyke with all three wide receivers. On his roster, uh, the the play of Evan Mark. Stewart went well, uh, but and like we said, we can't trust their running game. Daniels looks like he got a little bit of extra run, uh, Ashton Daniels, but I'm not touching the run game. I think uh, tonight they played with Thune Cookman, and I played the third string running back to get some value out of Miami, but double stacked Van Dyke for sure. Yeah, Van Dyke was excellent in that game. And then the last game to talk about from last week, couldn't have been more wrong about Texas and Alabama. I have seen so many good teams go into Alabama and just get trashed. Um, I thought until I see someone do something else, I'm just going to stick with that as the rule. And I thought Alabama couldn't have looked much worse. I really came out of it not got much more impressed with Texas than I, I thought they were kind of were going in. I just kind of left it. Alabama sucks. So I'm going to say that I made a point last week of talking about one thing that I wanted to see. And I saw it, and now I believe in Texas. Ewers dropped a dime to Worthy over the top, and that was the thing they couldn't hit on last year. But it hit last year against Alabama too. I don't like how they did the same thing last year. They hit with I guess he got hurt in that game, but it was just like he seems to only be able to do it against Alabama and Oklahoma. It's weird. Do it against do it against Kansas. There was a lot of talk that he was a he came in as a didn't didn't practice didn't do things well when he went to, when he was going to go to uh, Ohio State and they saw he was a frat boy but he apparently is you know a little more relaxed now and starting to take the craft serious and he's getting the pump. Lots of interesting stuff from last week and this week uh, again on the surface nothing great but a lot of home underdogs and it just feels like a week where somebody big is going to lose. Um, not quite sure who I think that's going to be, but it certainly feels like college football kind of needs it. And when college football kind of needs it, they kind of get it. Um, the first one on the slate though, as a home underdog is one, I don't understand how the spread is kind of so low, uh, Florida state minus 26 and a half. Obviously this is on TomahawkNation.com, is where most of you are probably finding this podcast. Um, so obviously I, I have a bit of a Florida state bias on this one, but I think Boston college might be worse than Southern miss. And Florida State had the backups in the game by halftime last week. They came out of halftime with some of the starters in sweats. I I just don't see how this one is close. Um, From the latest modeling here on Thursday night, Hurricane Lee, that'll be kind of in that area around game time. 
appears to be sliding further east away from the coastline and maybe lessening the impacts. Still some wind gusts and maybe kind of sloppy rain, but um, not maybe as drastic as we thought. So I, I still think Florida State is going to be able to run run this one away from, the, from uh, Boston College. I think you're going to see a lot of running. We'll talk about Benson coming up. Uh, but I, I'm pretty certain I saw that uh, Boston College's running back, Pat Garwo, is going to be out. Now, he's not talented at all, but uh, he has some experience. And uh, Ryan O'Keefe is a very talented wide receiver, but he's just a short area target. So he's not Zay Flowers from last year. And like you said, the wind is a concern. I know the total's been dropping. The total was down to 48. I had it at 49 and a half originally. And it's it's just been eating the under. I don't see if anything, I would probably bet Boston College under the team total. That seems like a fair guess because because to me, I don't see a way if it's going to be windy and Boston College is limited that way in throwing. And I think Florida State's defense is enough to limit them passing the ball as it is. But I flatly, and I've said this now through three weeks after the LSU game, I don't think you can run on Florida State. I don't think it's a thing you can do. Norvell's mixing in those defensive linemen frequently. He knows he has depth there, and that was kind of one of his big goals. He said, I think it was earlier this week, he mentioned wanting to keep his guys at under 50% snap rates. They're constantly rotating in really good, fresh players, uh, and they're talented at the top. I I just don't see how Boston College is is going to be able to run it in a game that the weather dictates they have to, especially without their starting running back. I just feel like Florida State's going to have the ball for like 80% of the game. And if the wind's really blowing, I don't know, the direction of Boston College's stadium versus the way the hurricane may be having winds blowing. But I mean, if they're pinned back in their own end a lot, you might be looking at like Florida State taking over the ball at like the 40 and then scoring and then kicking off and Boston College punting to the 40 again. Yeah, if you're if you're going the wrong direction, I've I've seen forty mile an hour winds. So yeah. 40 mile an hour winds, they could punt from the back of the end zone and the ball could end up in the stands behind them. Yeah. So I just, I just feel like this can be one of those games where Florida state gets away from, gets out of it really fast. Cause they are a team who can just line up and say, we're just going to run it a thousand times and do it. We've seen them do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you, you, you know, you talk about what may be different than putting 11 guys in the box, you still have Jordan who can just take one around the end. And then it keeps you honest enough to kind of simulate passing game. I don't want to hang too much on this one. I think Florida state rolls. I wouldn't be surprised if they shut them out. I wouldn't be surprised if you show them out. That's why I kind of want to play the play the Boston College team total because I don't know. It might be one of those games where it's twenty four nothing, and you don't get the cover, but it's twenty four nothing. Fair enough. I, I'm willing to take Florida State on something like twenty eight zero thirty thirty one zero or something like that, where I think they just kind of lean on them, and Boston College is just kind of giving away a couple of them here and there. One of the other big road dogs, another top ten team, number seven Penn State. Sup, Dre? Uh, they're at Illinois this week. Illinois was a team last year that surprised on the back of Chase Brown in the great defense. Uh, not looking so great to start this year. A close one with Toledo, I think, at home to start the year. And then last week, a loss to Kansas. Um, I think Penn State runs all over them, similar to the way I think Florida State runs on Boston College. Do you see something different? Illinois well, has the offense to to keep up with anything. First, I don't appreciate your disparaging comments about Toledo. Uh, it's a quality match. I think Toledo's opponent. fine. They're they're good. You should. It's an impressive win, though. That's a good win for uh, Toledo over yeah. Toledo. Altmaier, in my opinion, has looked pretty good at quarterback, especially compared to the quarterback play they've been getting in the past few years. Now, defensively, they're terrible, or not compared to where they should be. Running back wise, they're not too bad. But yes, I agree with you. I think. Aller has looked serviceable. Uh, Lambert Smith has looked good at wide receiver. They have just enough weapons that they should be able to score enough points to pull away, and the defense is good enough. Yeah, I I went to the Penn State-Auburn game last year, and I just imagine this one looking very similar to that, where once Penn State got the running game going, it was just like, oh, and there goes Singleton over the left Mm -hmm. side, and he's gone for 60. And then here comes Allen the other way for 60 again, and um, I mean, look, Illinois has got one of the best defensive linemen in the country, Jerzon Newton. Mm-hmm. I, I think yeah. he's potentially a first-round pick there up the middle, but it just seems like they're missing something around him. I think they kind of don't have it to keep Penn State in check in this one. Yeah, they don't have the overall depth in order to hang the quality up top, we'll say, the high-end depth. 
Here's one that terrifies me, as I've talked about many a times. Went to LSU, and uh, every group chat I'm in is horrified of the noon kickoff at Mississippi State this week. LSU nine and a half point favorites there. Um, Logan Diggs, the LSU running back that transferred from Notre Dame, was back last week. Before I give my thoughts, I'll let you go first. I don't trust Logan Diggs whatsoever. I know you want to jam him in lineups. I, do. I don't trust him. I don't trust him at all because there's too many running backs. I think John Emery's supposed to be back too. You're looking at like a five-headed monster. Now, granted, John Emery probably missed all of his classes this week in excitement <laughs> and decided he's not going to play anymore. He's been so academically ineligible for, I think, 80% of his career. Yes, uh, he, he struggles to go to class. But uh, Daniels, we don't know. What's da- what Daniels is going to show up? What Jaden Daniels do we get? That's the question every week with LSU. I'm confident with neighbors. I'm confident in Thomas. It's just a Jaden Daniels question. I don't love Will Rogers anymore, but that has more to do with the system now yeah, than it does uh, anything else. Obviously, Mike Leach passed this this offseason, and it feels like they've gone away from that air raid and kind of taken oh, yeah. the legs out of their own offense. Yeah, they're much more run, run down your throat. Now, Joe Marks is a good running back, very good a very good running back. Even he, he's one of the only guys I've ever seen make Mike Leach become a running coach in certain instances where he would hand the ball off. Mike Leach would never do that before. Personally, I think the good Jaden Daniels shows up and LSU wins this one like 31 to 18. To me, I'm just at the point where I think game one for LSU was just Florida State is that kind of good. Um, and they were right there in it. They were one pass away at the end of the third quarter. If that pass to Brian Thomas is a little further to the sideline, it's a tie game heading into the fourth. Otherwise, it ends up being a turnover first play of the fourth quarter, and it's a boat race. Um, I think LSU's that kind of good. They might be the only good team out of the West. This is one of the situations where it feels like LSU either covers or loses outright. Yeah, I can see that. I feel like if it's close, they'll probably lose. Yeah, I, I think they would lose rather than cover. Like, very, I always go back to this game because I had a ton of Jaden Daniels that day, but Arkansas. This feels like Arkansas from last year, where he could just come out, run for 60 yards, and have three interceptions and throw for 200. Yeah, if you missed the Arkansas game last year, which, again, I went to LSU, so I watched it, and they, it's the game that I brought up a few times in our previews of the LSU-Florida State game was they come off the heels of the Alabama win, and they go to Arkansas, and I don't think the team could have looked worse. They couldn't run the ball. Um, they were playing, like, I, I think Arkansas's third-string quarterback, who was just like a sprinter who just Hornsby. played quarterback. Yeah, it's Malik Hornsby, right? Yeah, he was, he was. I mean, the whole thing was just he couldn't throw. He was just really, really fast. And so it was just Harold Perkins chasing him around and strip-sacked strip him like three times and won the game by himself. The offense did nothing. If that Jaden Daniels shows up, if the same guy who played against Texas A&M shows up, they're garbage. Yeah, and, and that's... That's it's kind of like if you're a Florida State fan where you were with Jordan Travis early last season, where it's like we need Jordan Travis to be a dude. And if he's not a dude, we might lose. And that's kind of where Jaden Daniels is. Is he really that guy or is he the kind of struggling to miss miss a throw here or there like he did against Florida State? Well, and the thing is, is like last year, Daniels had that stretch that ended with Alabama. But before that, he had primed up and he had three, three or four straight games with almost 40 or 45 fantasy points, which was unheard of for him to have that kind of level of consistency i think it started against florida maybe mm-hmm. yeah, yeah he just yeah. went on a roll there if he finds that again then yeah i think they easily cover and if not and he looks rough they they probably lose speaking of which and i don't know how to even talk about this i'm taking south carolina plus 27 and a half at georgia it feels wrong i'm just gonna do it i feel like you've lost your mind i it just feels I, it feels so wrong I'm never betting on Spencer Rattler. I've made a lot of money betting against Spencer Rattler. And I prefer, I'm interested to see what Georgia looks like. Because I said it last year, they were the least fun, good team ever. Because you could (laughs) never, you would, you would, there was no running back you wanted to play in DFS. The quarterback you could play, but then Bowers could either go for 200 yards or he could go for 10 yards. And there was no other wide receiver you really liked. They would score 45 points and you wouldn't, n- nobody was good. Well, it's probably two defensive touchdowns in there. Probably. Or or like a 30-yard touchdown drive because they had a pick or something. Yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel like I'm constantly disappointed. I mean, look, we're two weeks into a season. But I, I, Georgia's been slow starting. 
against the lesser teams. But again, it's against lesser teams. They're just not taking them as seriously. I don't know if they take South Carolina seriously. Um, I don't think they do, but let's does not it matter? forget. Let's not forget that a North Carolina team that got what, what was it, three hundred yards rushing, hung on them by App State. South Carolina couldn't even score against them in the second half. Couldn't block them. I think it was what eight sacks. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> that doesn't lend a lot of confidence. Granted, the entire Georgia defense plays for the Eagles now. That's true, but I just keep going. I, I just I, again, I'll say it. My brain says. This is a Georgia win. They roll. I, just something in the gut says, do you know what? Maybe it's closer than I think. Take the 27 and a half, and then we'll lose 45 to like seven. And then I'll go, well, that was stupid. Um, the other home dog I wanted to talk about here that I think is immensely surprising, feels like a giant trap, is Tennessee, number 11 Tennessee, minus six and a half at Florida. Uh, Florida played McNeese last week and was fine. Did what you're supposed to do against McNeese. And obviously looked pretty dreadful against Utah on the road. They're back at home for this one. It's a big one. It's a rivalry game. Six and a half feels small for how bad I thought Florida looked. I feel like I'm being trapped. I feel like I don't know what to do. I I want Tennessee because it feels like the smart thing to do, but I feel like I'm going to trap. It's a trap. A rivalry game with, with a team like Tennessee we think's good. It's all perception, though. We haven't really seen them play anybody worth their salt. Um, they played UVA. Not JMU, good. JMU beat UVA. But I don't trust them. And then I don't think they played some stinker last week. And nobody's really stood out on the offense. I know they have a good run game, but we saw what Utah did against Florida, and they couldn't run the ball. So if Utah can't run the ball, I don't trust Tennessee to run the ball. So that means – They have a ton of outside weapons, so it's got to come down to the outside guys. Do you trust Joe Milton? I mean, Joe Milton can throw it a mile, but he's got some Jamarcus Russell tendencies to him. (laughs) Yeah, can he actually hit the guy? Yeah, I saw this number, and I have been staring at it since the week started. I haven't officially made the pick yet. I guess the article hasn't gone out until tomorrow, but... It's it's almost the exact opposite of the Florida game, like I have or, or the Georgia game, where I have this confidence that Tennessee is a better team than Florida. I have no confidence in Billy Napier as a head coach at this point at Florida, and I just keep going. It feels wrong. The number's low. It tells me I should take Florida, but the number is so low. I feel like I should take Tennessee because it's not that many points. I, I'm gonna go Tennessee, but I I just I wouldn't be terribly surprised if Florida's like rushing the field after the game. So I would tell you that both games last week that we felt were trap games, we had Colorado, which wasn't a trap. They just blew them out. It wasn't close. Smash them. And Oregon, Oregon, oh. Texas Tech. Now, Texas Tech had the cover until that late pick six. All we needed was that guy to fall down and and, <laughs> and just take the win so you could take a knee. But he decided he wanted to be a me guy and score a touchdown. Good for him. I didn't say but I thought Notre Dame was a trap, too. It was like six and a half. I thought it'd be bigger than that. I thought it'd be closer to like ten and a half. And then I was like, well, it's a trap. I'll take NC State. And then Notre Dame, like I said, rolled them earlier. Yeah, but you were betting betting for Brennan Armstrong. We love Brennan. Never blinded, bet with your heart. Blinded by Brennan. That's right. Um, the other game on this slate, and I think we kind of mentioned it already, I, I just – Colorado, Colorado State, I think it's 26 and a half. I don't have it right in front of me right now, but um, it feels like a blowout to me. And especially after today, I just feel like Dion's just going to do the thing where they run up the score again and everyone's like, well, there they go. Yeah, I think you're going to see that. I, I, I'm, I Now, Colorado State, to their credit, they do have some very good wide receiver weapons, but they've already made a change at quarterback after week one. So... Yeah, I, I don't have a ton of confidence in them being able to keep it close for the whole time. Normally not a good sign when you're changing quarterbacks already. The spread is 23 and a half, by the way. At this, at, at what I have it now, it probably changes because I'm sure the money after today is pouring in if it's not already been poured in on Colorado and people went back to the thing and just doubled down on it. Um, so George Sanders for Heisman, bud. I got him as like my second best quarterback in college football right now. I just... I, he's basically, I think he's out there doing it himself. I mean, obviously, I think Travis Hunter and some of the other receivers are good, but I feel like he's doing it by himself, and he's really impressive. He can make all the throws. I, I he, Look, he's a very good quarterback. College purposes, I worry about the rushing upside, but that's about it. 
Speaking of rushing upside, let's get to your DFS plays. So we're talking about Saturday's main slate, which I think is just the noon and the 3.30 kickoffs. Is that right? Yeah, they always break it down into a noon a three thirty, noon and 3.30 together as their main slate where FanDuel goes all day. Um, you're looking at quarterback, and you pretty much start us with rushing upside, assuming of injury here. Oh, yeah. So if Cam Rising doesn't play for Utah, which he's missed all the games so far this year, we're waiting to see if he's when he's going to return. And that's going to be the big question mark on this slate is, does Cam Rising return? He shouldn't. Uh, latest news is he's still day-to-day, and he's trying to come back off the ACL from the Rose Bowl, but he's not really cleared, and it's all based off of when the doctors say he's eligible to come back. Why they would bring him back against an FCS opponent, I have no idea. Weber State, good FCS opponent, but still outmanned and outgunned. Nate Johnson at 4500 is wildly mispriced. I don't think they knew that Bryson Barnes was going to get relieved of his starting spot. So we're going to ride with him, and all we need is 4000 or at 4,500, we just need, let's say, 20 points. And we're going to be super happy with our point per dollar on that. And the guys has got rushing ability. He's been splitting reps with the first-team quarterback the last few weeks. He's He's got, uh, what, 40? He's got, he's rushed for 40 and a touchdown each week. So there's 10 points right there, and he's only been playing partial, part, partial time right now. Yeah, it's a like we talked about earlier, such a low number. You don't need much to create to reach value, and against an FCS team where he's the third string quarterback starting, I mean, maybe they just give him the run for the whole game. And, and at that point, you know, if you, like you said if you get twenty, that's an ups, that's wonderful. But I mean, you know, who knows what he ends up with? Yeah, the blowout risk is mitigated by the price in this instance, and already being the third string, in theory, the third string quarterback who's now the starter. If Cam Rising doesn't play, obviously make sure you're up to date on what Cam Rising's doing. If you're following this one, again, it's follow at your own risk, so that's on you. But yeah, if you're going Cam Rising, if you're going to keep an eye on Nate Johnson, keep an eye on Cam Rising. We talked a little bit about him already, but Jaden Daniels is the other guy you're interested in. He's got a much higher price tag. We had a we had a hefty debate uh, going in the house by myself, uh, trying to figure out Jalen Milrow, who I think is going to score a ton of points, and they're going to. You and I spilled this one out yesterday, didn't we? Yeah, I had a I have I've. I've tried, I've struggled. And if you looked at the document at one point, I had three names sitting there and I was trying to debate between the, the three. What and are they? Let's hear all three. Milrow, Riley Leonard, and uh Jaden Daniels. I think those are three that I've the three that I considered as well. I think Will Howard's interesting for Kansas, but I don't think I can go there for Kansas State. I'll probably have a little bit of him, but Daniels, I think has the highest upside, the highest ceiling because he's in the closest matchup. So that's what I'm going to lean on. I think he threw for 250 yards last year in the same matchup and ran for 90 and a touchdown. So very good floor with the rushing upside. Milrow has upside for running, but easily the defense is going to be angry for Bama and they could easily score three touchdowns, two touchdowns on defense, return to kick. And next thing you know, you're pulled out of the game and he's only got one touchdown and hadn't had to run, hadn't had to do much. I keep thinking that this is going to be one of those almost, I don't want to call it Nick Saban punishes his own guy type thing, but that I, I think he's going to be like, Milrow, you, you know, you're our guy. You kind of cost us this last week. Go, let's go get it. You know, let's go fix this now. Um, and I feel like it's going to be one of those, beat him, let him make all the plays and give him all the points. But yeah, I mean, I, I don't hate the call. I think Jaden Daniels, we talked about it before. If he shows up and plays to his ceiling, I think he balls out and can do like he did before. I, I don't think LSU has that great of a rushing attack to where they all of a sudden, like Jaden goes touchdownless. Like LSU is going to run in like three scores. I feel like even near the goal line, they're going to pull something and try and make quick passes. Well, and with the way the LSU defense has looked, you could get into a sneaky shootout. That's true. They've given up almost 400 yards a game at this point, and that was against Florida State, which is the big number, but Crambling last week was able to go up and down the field in the first four or five possessions. not a problem. First possession, they went right down and scored. I was like, oh, Daniels is about to put up some numbers here. Second possession, they went right down the field again, and, and I think they stalled out in the red zone or in a goal to go. Then in the third possession, they went down and kicked the field goal. So, I mean, that's Grambling. We're talking about an FCS school there. So, I mean – 
you know, if a SWAC school is putting that kind of points up on you and that ease as as a supposed top 15 team, you know, why, why can't Mississippi State do the same thing? Yeah. Um, moving on to running back, you go back to Notre Dame this week. You got a steam Going back to the well, we're, we're, I feel like we've highlighted him most weeks. We've talked about him. He just keeps producing. He's getting, what, 10 to 15 touches a week. He's getting 100 yards a week, and he gets his one to two touchdowns a week. And this is a matchup against a team in Central Michigan that they are going to stomp, just plain stomp. Now, Hartman's going to get his, but – Estime is still putting up their numbers. He's getting the raw totals. He's getting all the early work, it looks like. I was worried in that first game that they were going to split work a little bit more. They're not splitting work. It's it's Estime early, and then they start bringing in the other guys. But he's got that big playability. He had an 80-yard run last week just breaking one off. So that's what we're looking for, and I think he's got that in the tank this week. Yeah, I guess especially against a lesser opponent, they haven't been afraid to give him those carries. We saw it in week zero against Navy. He ended up with a ton more touches than I really kind of expected. Um, and that was, a, that was a huge blowout. So they're definitely not afraid to keep going back to him even in, um, I wouldn't say all the way to the end, but at least through a good portion of the blowout. They're not really trying to manage his workload. Um, you got another one with with what we talked about earlier, potential blowout risk. But, um, man, it was a blowout last week, and Trey Benson sure looked great again. So his yardage total was lower than I would have liked last week based off of what his rushing numbers were, but I think he somewhat got stopped by hitting the end zone. And, and there was a lot of turnover on downs out of Southern Miss. They kept like getting to like the 45 and then like, ah, fourth and seven, we'll go for it. And then it's like 40 yards of the end zone. I love the game environment. Like we said, we think that that they're going to blow BC out. We're fairly confident in that. We, think, we know BC's a little weak on the, on the front. Now, him getting to run the ball with the wind problem, the wind problem put him over the top. He was in consideration as my four or five top guys. As soon as that wind number came in, he vaulted up the rankings because this is a situation where Toa Feely's good, and he's, but he's not really going to get 10, 15 carries. I would mm-hmm. expect Benson could push for 20 in this game. So if we can get 15 to 20 – I would hope that he'd be able to average seven a carry on those and get to that 120 to 150 number, and hopefully we can punch in one, you know, two to three touchdowns. Yeah, I mean, he had three last week, even in that, like I said, I don't think, I'm not sure he took a carry in the second half, and he had three touchdowns and um, in a blowout. I imagine this one is much of the same, and your your, your, your point on Toa Feely, I almost view Toa Feely as um, – I was trying to find a good NFL comparison for it, but almost like, you know, Benson is the the early down and as often as they can keep him on the field, Toa Feely is the change of mm-hmm. pace. And I feel like when they want to go to a reserve running back in that grind out the clock role, they're, they're looking more to Hill than I think mm-hmm. to Toa Feely as that younger guy, just trying to get him reps, get him practice in there. Um, so I, even I think if they do blow it out, I don't see Toa Feely getting the extra no. carries. I think it's more to a guy like Hill. So personally, Benson's the only real place I'm willing to go in this one, you mentioned you don't really love any other other running backs. What reason are you not in on guys like um, Singleton and Allen, like I mentioned from Penn State? I know you already talked about Diggs, so don't worry about going there. But like Braylon Allen is one that's been confusing with the was it Morosi Morezi Chesmalusi. Sure, that guy killed me last week on a couple of lineups too on the late night slate. So the problem I have is if is the way that the NFL is trended, college football is trended as well. So perfect example is Penn State. Nick Singleton is a top five talented running back in college football, but he's only going to get 15 touches a game and then Allen's getting his 15 touches. So Benson in this instance, I hope will get enough work to offset that difference, especially because of the matchups are the same. So if the matchups are the same, I'm looking for more touches and the more touches I get, the better chance I have to score touchdowns. And that's, that's kind of the struggle. I'm looking for a bell cow and there's not a lot of bell cows. Damian Martinez from Oregon state, somewhat a bell cow, although last year he would get, 25 carries and then the linebacker would come in and score a touchdown (laughs) so that's kind of the difficult portion right now is finding bell cow running backs and guys that i find value with 
Malusi is getting a lot of carries, but Malusi got a lot of carries last year. It's just more pronounced this year because their overall carry totals are down and they're throwing the ball more to their running backs. I'm trying to look through my lineups now. Benson, Estime, Singleton, Benson, Estime, Singleton, uh, Diggs. I'm mostly all in Estime, Benson, a sprinkle of Singleton here and there. I think I might have had one where I played Allen and Singleton. Yeah, I think um, I think Allen, Braylon Allen's in play. Damian Martinez is in play. And then Jawar Jordan should be in play from Louisville against uh, Illinois. I don't trust Illinois' defense, even though it's looked okay. Illinois is against uh, Penn State. No, uh, Indiana. Thinking there you Indiana. go, yeah. IU. Yeah, I don't trust IU's defense, even though they looked okay against a bad-looking, so far, Ohio State team. Jordan Waters from Duke would be interesting as well. I like him, but see, all these guys split a lot. Like, Jawar Jordan had seven carries each of the first two weeks, but he's their bell cow essentially because it's an air raid offense you know it's funny you said you didn't care for that we texted about this yesterday just when the prices dropped and our thoughts on things you said you didn't like the running backs i told you i liked them i felt like between esteemate benson Diggs, and singleton i had guys i liked to play there that i felt fairly confident in i told you i was clueless at receiver and you said you loved receiver so where do you love receiver Receiver is so much better. You just named you like four running backs. I like like seven receivers. So we well, got. I thought go there were there. four guys that these are the four guys I like. I looked at the rest of them. I was like, I don't even want to look at these guys. They're all well, gross. The, don't want to touch them. Well, see, that's my problem. I don't like a position if I can't get value at that position. So running back, there's no value. You everything's six k and above. It's that's where it's difficult. That's true. Wide receiver, we're gonna start out uh, number one. My guy, this guy came out at pricing at 3k and we were super excited and then they took the slate down because it was such a poor price discrepancy <laughs> brock bowers dropped at 3000 they took the slate down and next thing you know he was up to 4700 he's still 2000 too cheap brock bowers did not have a good game last week he played one series against ball state georgia does not need him in those games georgia probably doesn't even need him in this game but he needs to get going and they need to get him with Beck getting going before once they're starting to hit conference play in this scenario. The man had a similar game set going into last year's game and he had what was it, 180 yards and two touchdowns and then another rushing touchdown in that or 150 and just dropped a big old number on everybody. So Bowers has slate winning upside every time he steps on the field and he can destroy you anytime he steps on the field, but this is this is a Bowers week to me. I'm not I look at the lineups I built. I think he's only not in one of them. Yeah, he's in every one of them but one. I just think at the salary he's at it's tough with the ceiling and the salary he's at it's tough not to have him on the way that I feel like I want to spend that quarterback the way I want to spend at running back I feel like it, it has to be the balancing out and you've got another guy around 5300 for Louisville 5300 underrated Georgia State transfer he comes over to Louisville with the Brian Brom system when he came in he's going to chuck it Jamari Thrash so Jamari Thrash is playing the Charlie Jones uh, role a- aka the Rondale Moore role uh, from previous <laughs> years where he just puts up monster numbers and he's had some big games already he's a target monster he's elusive he's very very good he has four touchdowns on the season already i feel very confident that he'll be able to put up a a good stat line so in case you missed it kind of looking top to bottom i don't think i mentioned the numbers it's nate johnson at 4500 from utah please make sure you're checking to see if cam rising is back for that one we're anticipating likely not um, but in case he is, just keep an eye on that one. Jaden Daniels at 8,600 from LSU at running back. Estime, Estime, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know the pronunciation. I should probably look it up. Notre Dame, 7,800. Trey Benson, 6,600 from Florida State, obviously. Uh, Jamari Thrash, Louisville, 5,300. And Brock Bowers at 4,700. So I'm tossing those guys in a lineup right now. I've got Johnson, Estime, Benson, Bowers, um and i'll throw i guess i'll throw your quarterback here in at the bottom how much i said he was 4600 45 
45. Oh, man, this is where all the backup quarterbacks are. So I got to sift through them for a second. Sorry, you just type I... it in, man. You got to do type or go to the team. Oh, you're right. Yeah, just, you just, just click on the team or you click on the thing. So it's a I, don't, I don't do the computer very much. I normally do it on my phone, so it's a little different. User uh, guide, man. You can actually, on the computer's better because you can click on the individual team and it'll only show Utah. Oh, I actually, that, I couldn't find him because I already have him on my team. Oh, smart. I didn't smart. have Jaden Daniels yet. That's what the problem was. I was looking for the wrong quarterback. Anyway, okay, so toss in Jaden Daniels here, and we are. Why don't I see Jaden? Oh, it's because I'm only looking at state players. There he is. Okay, so Jaden Daniels is in. I've got the four guys you mentioned, and Jaden Daniels in this lineup. I have about. 25 12,500 or 6250 per spot with a wide receiver and a flex. Um, Luther Burden, sir, from Missouri is a lock. Uh, I lock have button. had I have had Burden in a plenty of lineups. So you like Burden with why is that? You called him your you calling him lock button? No, no, no. No, 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 no. no, no, no. We're, not, we're not bestowing that upon him. All uh, right, we'll walk it back. I will I w- I'm gonna sparingly use that. I just I don't like it when somebody uses lock button of the week every week. It's rare occasions, you know. Ali was a special occasion last week. The price was too good. Now, had that three thousand dollar price tag stuck on Bowers, lock button. But forty seven hundred, <laughs> we can move around a little bit. Burden is a very, very highly touted recruit who went to Missouri. I'm guessing he got the bag when he went there. And they need to feed him because he'll leave. And he's very good. So he's going to catch a ton of balls. He gets screens. He gets the long balls. He gets all the running routes for the running the ball. He gets everything. So far this season, he's averaging seven and a half catches a game. 106 and a half yards. He's got a touchdown. Um, so yeah, he's he's had a a strong start to the year. Seven catches and eight catches in the two games. So it's not like he had like one 12 reception game and a three. He's getting a lot of targets. He's getting a lot of receptions. At least he with 6600 in the flex spot. Some names there. Uh, Keon Coleman's at 6500. Nope. You got Milton from Georgia. Martinez from Oregon State. Vele? That's probably where I would go. Oregon? I would go to I would go to Martinez probably. Uh, there's also Gould from Oregon State. Lambert or you get Smith your boy from Penn Singleton. State. I can get Singleton. Okay, so you do have that. What about um? Here's one that I've put in a bunch of lineups. Jaquan Jackson from uh, Tulane, sixty three hundred. He's got uh, a handful of receptions on the year. He had eight targets last week. He had eight targets the week before. He's averaging around like 20 fantasy points a game, mostly on touchdowns. Um, but against Southern Miss, a team that Florida State just blew out last week, do you have any interest in, in any of the two-lane players? He's done it with both quarterbacks, his starter and the backup. So I like Jackson. I think Jackson, was uh, he impressed a lot on the uh, – he stuck out to me last week, actually. I didn't know a, a lot about him. and I didn't either I until the game. I, well, I did a lot of research last week after the South Alabama game because I saw his projection was so high that I needed to learn about him in that instance. I didn't end up playing him because he I don't trust two touchdowns on three catches. So him, he's interesting. I almost want to lean Keys. Uh, Keys really stood out to me. He seems more like the 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 target leader, the safe guy. Like, I feel like I know what I'm going to get. At 11 uh, targets last week. Yeah. He went five for 11. He leads the team in targets, receptions, and yards. So. And he's, he is a lot cheaper. I mean, he's sitting well, there. He's only 300. Uh, he's only 300 cheaper. It can be the difference between, you know, Singleton and Benson, depending on how you build your lineup. Well, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if you, if that was the difference, like, hey, I can go Benson and Keys or I get Singleton, it's a two for two, or Singleton and Jackson, I'm taking Benson and Keys every day. You did mention Will Howard earlier um, in Kansas State. Do you have any interest in someone like Treshawn Ward, who's in this price range for Kansas State as well? No. No, they're splitting carries. They're way too splitting. I played that game last week. I thought, okay, Giddens might be the guy. I like Giddens. They liked Giddens. I played Giddens last year when uh, Deuce Vaughn was out. 
and him and Ward are splitting way too much. It's weird. It's a weird split. And and Howard had two rushing touchdowns last week. So if I'm going anywhere in that game, I'm I'm going with the passing game. I'm gonna I'm gonna lock in Howard and and see what I want to what I want to do there. I, I probably will have some share of him with maybe stacked with Phil Brooks. The one thing that remains interesting to me on this slate continues to be just the potential for blowouts, the, the blowout potential. I guess one last question before we wrap up is how do you weigh that? Like, I guess in your process, how much are you weighing? Like we talked about Bama being a blowout. We talked about Georgia's got a 28-point spread. Obviously, the offense isn't something that you would typically target because there's not like that's a guy who will smash. It's kind of rotated everywhere. But I guess speaking generally on a game you see that could be a blowout, um, if you're a new new to DFS type of player, what is the thought process you should take into, hey, I think this is a blowout? So Vegas knows very well what the total is and what the spread should be for the most part. So that's part of my process where if a team's projected for under 20 points, I just kind of write them off typically, right? Write that team off. And I go, I'll, I'll look at a team that's going to project to score 42 but the concern, there's a concern as far as a blowout, and it has to do with each individual team. How long do they typically leave their starters in? What's the makeup of the team? If it's a more balanced team, it's a little riskier, like a Michigan. But in a sense that I would, it's a tiebreaker for me. I, if, like we said earlier, Daniels versus Milrow, I'll lean Daniels in cash games and that type of stuff. Cause I know that that he's going to play four quarters versus Milrow might have a higher upside, depending on what you see, he could have a higher upside in a blowout situation where he accounts for five to six touchdowns. You can play that, but I, I'm more like that in a tournament setting, unless there's just no other options to, to fall back on. But typically, I'm I'm looking for a closer game, which is what we did with the Miami A&M game, why we felt that might shoot out and be a good landing spot last week. I guess one last one, because it's a game I know you and I talked about a little bit yesterday, was Western Kentucky, Ohio State. Um, it's got a lot of potential. Western Kentucky does sling it a lot. Is there anything that intrigues you there? When I first opened the slate, my first, the thing I thought of was, okay, I should play Austin Reed because Austin Reed's going to sling it 65 times and they're never going to take their foot off the gas because they're going to be chasing the whole game. The concern would be he, he's going to get 300 yards passing. He probably is going to have at least two touchdowns. The concern comes in, how many sacks does he take? Because in, in fantasy, sacks are negative rushing yards in college. And he might have... 40 negative rushing yards because he's not really a mobile quarterback. So that's negative four points. So now that's one touchdown taken off the board. He throws a couple interceptions. There goes another one. So I'm worried about his yardage total or his uh, point total as far as the negative plays. But Malachi Corley is his top wide receiver. He's priced well. He's priced the lowest you're ever going to see him priced. And he would be, yeah, and he's that's an unreal price for him on any other week. He's coming off an injury that he said he could have played last week. The coach said he could have played last week, but they held him out on purpose so that he was ready for this game. He will be mixed in a few of my lineups. He's good. He's a good uh, pivot off of Bowers. I think Bowers would be more popular, but there is the possibility you could see a lot of lineups that have Corley and Bowers together with thrash and then you start just loading up at running back um i guess i i did kind of lie one last question before we actually do get out of here is there in the thought process the super flex spot would you say that's always quarterback uh do you ever go running back wide receiver maybe on a week you know like this one where there is so much blowout potential do you say hey i really like these high-end running backs i'd rather spend on high-end running backs and then kind of use that use that value or that cost on that instead of a quarterback. Or does the super flex with the upside of a quarterback always seem to be hit your quarterback button and figure it out later? So I've done that a couple times where I've played with it. I have not figured out 99% of the time you want double quarterback because they're the highest scoring players in the in out there, period. And there's so many other positions. I've played with it on the other side. Uh, where I've tried to do it with a running back 
it's a little bit more difficult. And in this instance, typically just just lop in a quarterback that's got some some wheels. There's always usually a cheaper one that you feel good about. I mean, Marvin Harrison's the price of a quarterback right now. Yeah, I was going to say, so, he was stood out to me at 9100 I mean, if you really did, I imagine a blowout like that, it might be tough. But if you're going to spend on him, you're basically spending on a quarterback's cost at a wide receiver slot. Well, just think what you need to get the value there. He needs to score almost 30 points to get the value. And it's is, easier to get there from a quarterback than it is from a receiver. Yeah, they're going to have to chuck it. I mean, there's just a better floor and a better ceiling for a quarterback. It's no different than when you're playing NFL there's you play uh, super flex, right? Everybody takes two quarterbacks. Why they always score more points? Fair enough. A, a pretty gross week. We appreciate you hanging around for us and letting us talk through it. Uh, I can't wait to come back in next week and realize all the home dogs won, and and me not me being scared to take any of them, and the four that I or the five that I talked about uh, actually came through. Uh, next week slate's a lot more fun. Uh, Florida State, Clemson. I think um, is it Notre Dame. Where's Notre Dame at next week? They got a good one. Is Ohio State? Notre Dame, Ohio State? Yeah, Notre Dame, Ohio State. It's a very, very good slate next week. Lots of big games. Lots of big games on that one. And I, and I think there's a couple of more top tens as I fill before I get to that slate. Tap dancing. Um, I have it up now. Yeah, Colorado, State, Oregon, Oregon, sir. Colorado, Oregon. Ole Miss, Alabama. Um there's a lot to like next week, a lot to talk about. Yeah, Ohio State, Notre Dame, Iowa, Penn State, of course, is going to be gross. UCF, man, without John Reese Pumley, probably makes that one a lot less fun. North Carolina goes to Pitt. Um, there's some there's some fun football games next week. So I think we'll have a lot more to talk about next week, a lot more interesting stuff. I think this week was maybe a little more in the minutia than we'd hope, but, you know, that's what happens when you kind of get a gross slate. It happens. So appreciate you guys hanging around with us. Appreciate. Oh, wait, USC? Oh, it's in Arizona State. I thought I saw USC at Utah, but UCLA, Utah, Oregon State, West Washington State, Oklahoma, Cincinnati. Those are all pretty fun. So uh, a lot of fun games next week. So I think a lot more fun stuff to talk about. Appreciate you guys hanging around. Brian and Chris, appreciate you listening. See you next week.